0: Good morning. <coughs> Welcome to men's round table. Glad you're here. Holidays. holidays. The holidays are a bunch. Hallelujah. I am man up front. Our Christmas shop is done. You didn't get anything this year either, huh? Oh no, no. Well, yeah, I bought mine. Right, okay. <laughs> so moving on. Thanksgiving, how was that? Hallelujah. Hotty toddy. Wonderful. I'm not talking about a football game. COVID and holidays. I had an opportunity to break my dad be 92 next month out of St. Catholic. He lives in an independent apartment. he get out go to Kroger go to the doctor. Tell what he needs to do. But he hadn't been around the family. And I just forgot what that was like. He had not been with our family in almost two years. Two years at the age of 90, being independent, living in an apartment, and not being able to be around his family. Holidays. Still did a series not long ago. Coming home. Coming home. Me, this but I can say that there have been times during the holidays that man, it was a struggle, fighting chaos, kids running around, running in 15 different directions. You got to follow happy. And then you get to post-Christmas. Where'd you go, Mark? The post-Christmas? Well, you didn't get the right gifts. Oh Lord. You, you mean in, the mop and in the broom with the vacuum cleaner? Yeah, yeah I got the wrong uh, Christmas can be a difficult time. Holidays can be a difficult time. But I have learned that we've got a great teacher who teaches us what the holidays are really about. And if you can peel back the chaos in your mind and listen over the next three or four weeks to messages that Bill's going to share with us, I promise you it will enlighten your holiday. It will touch something in your heart. It may not have been in a while. Bring back memories and childhood. Refocus. I do want to say that Ebony's replaced. We've gotten emails that have gone out. David, have you gotten emails? Right. Great. If there's anybody else in the room that's not getting emails, please let us know. Sign up on the door because the email is a way to keep up with any changes that happen here, we're going to miss two weeks at Christmas and New Year's this year. Just a way for us to keep up and keep you posted what's going on. But in the email, you've gotten some stuff on Ebony's Replace. We're still fundraising. Working toward growing a place for to be coached, brought to Jesus, and made whole. That's what BPO and Roundtable are about. They can get whole. Offer that to you. Please click the email. Check out the link to the video there. Place to donate there if you made a uh, commitment to, uh, to donate, please honor that commitment and uh, make that contribution. We we'll have a little work prayer. Heavenly Father, we stopped this morning to focus on you again, There's no other reason to gather you. You are the center of this. Focus our eyes upon you, Lord. Open our ears, open our hearts, to so be renewed in the intimate spirit that you offer us, especially this time of year. Guard us, Father, as leaders of our families, who comes to devour us this time of year. One of suspect suspects
1: protect us. Thank you, Joe. Morning, gentlemen. Um, I want to uh, mention one thing before we get started uh, that I forgot to alert Joe to that I've changed the schedule just a little bit during the month of December in that we're going to meet one more week uh, that I didn't think that I was going to be up here, but <clears throat> on the 23rd, uh, three weeks from today, so we'll meet the 2nd, the, the ninth, 16th, and then the 23rd, we will meet, uh, and that'll be father, son, daughter, wife, uh, guest day. So you can bring anybody and everybody uh, on that day. Kids will be out of school by then. <laughs> Favorite uh Christmas um that has been coming to this um, roundtable table through the years. Um Henry was the round fellow poems, but the main point is Christmas bells for the main song as I heard the uh, bells on Christmas Day. Um I want to read to you um the poem. Again, it was uh, I I will tell you more about the story behind the song uh as we go along. Um The next few weeks, of course, it was written uh, in the midst of the Civil War. um, And he had his own family issues going on uh, with death. um, And
0: in the point,
1: i heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men, till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice of chime, a chance of life. <laughs> then from
0: the light of the world, the thunder in the south, and with the sound the kittles drowned. It was as if an earthly flame, earth, the hearthstone, and made for a household fire of peace on earth. And then this next stanza is actually, just the pain, the
1: pain of a life of, of peace on earth comes full force into Longfellow's mind and he writes, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then peel the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men, praise Jesus. We win. We win. I want to offer you the (laughs)
0: rendering.
2: Their old familiar carols play And mild and sweet their songs repeat Of peace on earth
1: Corinthians 16.13. Follow with me as we read the introductory paragraph to our series that we begin today. The incarnation, God with us, the eternal infinite God became a human being in Jesus Christ. A physical, limited, vulnerable, moral being in history. The implications of this reality are vast in many and during this Christmas season we will look at various pictures of Uh, This incredible reality of the incarnation. And I would just add that um, what we might say is this is a counselor's look um, at the incarnation. Um, As Joe has often told the story, we had a a guy in one of our uh, mornings uh, several years ago, he was sitting right over here, and we were having a QA, and and he stood, he stands up, and he says, Phil, is this a counseling session, a coaching session, or a Bible study? <clears throat> and I said, yes.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, Ask me a hard question. That was pretty easy. And so, you know, as, as we have done this for <clears throat> going on um, 13, 14 years now, um, I want you to fall in love with God's Word every Thursday morning. We open it. Man, I... have I want your Bible, as I've said to you before, look like an old baseball glove. It's yours. I don't want to borrow somebody else's glove at recess. I want my glove. And then I want you uh, to be coached up, ready for the day, and I even want you to dig deeper into counseling issues that are inhibiting your ability to love and be loved and to be your best self and to be whole. And so this idea of the incarnation, we're going to look at three phrases as if we're looking at family albums um, through um, the next three weeks. Peace on Earth is what we're looking at today. Uh, Next week, we will look at the picture of goodwill uh, to men, and then we will look at joy to the world. And those are all aspects of the incarnation. I mean, it, it truly is amazing that the God of the universe would become like me and you, a human being. And there's great implications to that. I'm not interested in us spending this morning or the next couple of Thursday mornings getting you ready for the next Bible trivia contest on Christmas. I'm not interested in that. Uh, giving you more information, Uh, but what I am interested in is that your life, my life, would reflect the reality of Jesus coming to earth. What difference does that make in your life today, in my life? And I think we ought to be carriers of peace. There ought to be an epidemic start because we're carrying peace with us. Turn over to John chapter John chapter 1 it gives us uh, just a brief picture of the incarnation. Verse 12, John chapter 1. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed, and would do what he said, these, or he, he made to be their true selves, their child of God selves. These are the God-begotten, not blood-begotten, not flesh-begotten, not sex-begotten. Again, in your study, Bible, um, you can read there, but as many as received him, that they received, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now, I had it said to me years ago when I was doing an internship in a psychiatric hospital The psychiatrist told me that all these people in this uh, psych ward are children of God. And I said, no, they're not children of God. They're image bearers of God. That they are created in his image. And that gives them value and dignity for sure. But only to those who have received Jesus are children of God. That's a huge distinction, gentlemen. Don't ever miss that. We are valued because we are image bearers. But we are not part of God's family unless we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. That's that's a major issue that we believe uh, as Jesus followers. And then it goes on. The word became, or, oh, no. and again, let's don't forget this, uh, this last part. These are the God-begotten, not blood-begotten, not flesh-begotten, not sex-begotten. You know, it's this idea of blood-begotten. It's like I'm hardened, and all the hardens for the last five generations have been Christians. So I'm a Christian.
2: Mm-mm.
1: No. It's not blood-begotten. Not because your bloodline is what it is. That's not what gets you there. It's to those who put their faith in Jesus. Not flesh-begotten. It's not because somebody can, can uh, say, I'm now identifying as a Christian, and I've made a decision. No. No. The only way that you get to be uh, a part of, of the kingdom of God and, and part of the family of God is you put your faith in Jesus. Not because you make a decision, but it's that you put your faith in Jesus. It's not a flesh decision. And then uh, not sex begotten. it's, it's and, and again, it's this idea of flesh begotten. is nobody has the authority. Uh, some guy in a robe, some guy in a suit. Cannot declare, Mark, you're a Christian, and Joe, you're not. That's not the way it works. Everybody stands before God individually, and nobody can be declared a Christian by another man. And then not sex begotten. It's not because you're male or female or some sort of authority of a man. It is by faith that we become children of God. That's a a critical piece. Don't miss that. And then it goes on in verse 14. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Uh, In your study Bible, it's the idea of tabernacle. He came in tabernacle. So just in the Old Testament, as God gave us the picture of his presence through the children of Israel's journey through the wilderness with the tabernacle, he now uses that word, that idea of the tabernacle, to give us Jesus' resume. Jesus is the tabernacle. He came and set up his tent, if you will, in our neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. And in your study Bible, that start to finish is full of grace and truth. He came full of grace, not to judge man, but to usher man, to, to welcome. Jesus was about acceptance, but he also had boundaries for truth. And it's just not everybody gets in just because they uh, tell Jesus stories or read Bible stories. But once again, there are boundaries. There's truth. And you bow your knee to the Father knowing that you have no hope apart from Jesus himself. No hope. No hope. So pick up your pen. Let's go to work. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. Jesus calls us us to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. So, So I want to ask you three questions this morning. First question, where do you see or experience fighting in your life? Family, friends, work. You know, we just came out of a holiday, and, uh, my phone uh, was blowing up on Friday and Saturday. I'm, I'm in Dallas with my girls, uh, enjoying um, Thanksgiving, and I start getting calls, I need to meet with you next week. I need to meet with you next week. <laughs> I mean, seriously, dude, I, I mean, no exaggeration. I could have I already had my schedule filled for this mm-hmm. week, and I could have filled it with brand new people. You know why? Because it's all those spam families. You know, it's like... Um, here I am at Thanksgiving and man, I need some help. It's counseling. It's those families. So, where do you see their experience fighting in your life? I, I want you to identify that. What what relationship is broken in your life? I, I'm not, I mean, I love the peace on earth thing in terms of the global idea. We've all watched the news and there's fighting over there and you know, there's killing over there, and it's like, you know, when I was a kid growing up and mama would tell me not to eat all your peas because there's people dying in Burma. Burma? Where's that? You know, I don't that that didn't make me want to eat my peas. What I'm saying is, is where do you need a good dose of peace? What relationship is broken? I want you to identify that. I had a fight with your wife last night. You know, estranged from adult kids. I want to kill my teenager. You know, as James Dobson said, every teenager should be put in a barrel when they reach 13 uh, with a cork in it. And then when they get to be 16, you put a hole in the cork, you put a cork back in the hole. You know? It's, it's tough. So identify the relationships. And I'm going to try to help all of us be peacemakers this morning. Second question. What makes restoring relationships so hard? I mean, think about that. This is so hard. What makes it hard for you? Identify that. Write it down. You know, you know what makes it so hard for me? Uh, Because I like being
0: right.
1: I hate people who judge people. I look down on people who judge people. (laughs) I just think that's so awful, Steele, that people would judge other people. I just think that's awful. You know? I I don't judge people. I just don't like people who judge people. I like being right. You know, my pride, um, my need for validation, my need to be respected. In fact, my demand to be respected. You know, one of the phrases that we often use with our kids is, "You cannot talk to me that way." You know what a 16-year-old says under his breath? I just did. <laughs> You know, and uh, it's crazy stuff. We demand respect. We don't want that. <clears throat> we'll talk about that this morning. What keeps us from restoring relationship? And then the final question: do you to think of somebody who's made peace with you? Who who has forgiven you? Ever really? You know, done something you're ashamed of? Of course. We all have. My sweet wife, Texas through and through, uh, is, a, is a picture of forgiveness to me. For how she's forgiven me. And it's interesting how Scripture uh, invites us to be peace uh, makers. Scripture says, forgive, and then here's the picture. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And what inhibits our ability to bring peace into our relationship and restore relationships is our grandiosity. It's our pride. You know, life is meant to be lived on a, on a level plane. Everybody is to be respected and valued. And I don't look... Down on anybody, and I don't feel devalued by anybody. I'm, I am an image bearer of God. In fact, I'm actually a child of God because I put my faith in Jesus. And so, we're meant to walk around valuing the lowly and the authoritative people. But relationships get broken and not restored when somebody takes that grandiose position and they say, I would never do that. Really? Well, not exactly. You might not do exactly that, but you've actually done worse. You've done worse. And guys, until we get that through our head, and that's what the Bible teaches, then the reason that we're not better peacemakers is because our pride, our arrogance, and our grandiosity puts us above others. And that's a killer. Let's look at three ways that Scripture gives us. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. And this idea of peace on earth. um, First of all, we just want to stop the fighting. Stop the fighting. Make peace. And then we'll look at live in peace. <laughs> you know, these pictures of the incarnation are so powerful. I mean, you know, one of the things that we all typically do. During Christmas, certainly my girls, we take a lot of pictures. And then uh, each Christmas, everybody typically gets out albums or on your phone now, and you scroll through and you look at pictures. I want to suggest to you, through the incarnation of Jesus, Jesus coming to earth, that you and I ought to be able to show one another pictures of how we, have brought peace on earth or been restored to peace. That's what Christmas is about. It's Jesus coming, peace on earth. I believe that's real. That's not just some sort of like, you know, Christmas carol, Christmas phrase that we've just worn it out where it means nothing. It's like, I want peace in my family, so stop the fighting. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 is such a picture of the incarnation. Let me read the whole passage, verses 1 through 11, and then we'll go back and kind of work our way through this. Philippians chapter 2. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Jesus, following Christ, if His love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, If you have a heart, if you care, if you give a care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. And then this latter part, verses 5 through 11, how are you going to do all that? We see the problem, and we see the solution. And how in the wide, wide world of sports are we going to accomplish that? It's because of our model. Verse 5, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, when the time came to restore, to bring peace, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. He became human. He did not demand his grandiosity. He gave up his royal seat. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. I mean, think of how many times that Jesus must have thought, beat me up, Scotty. You know, get me out of this. You know? It's like, uh-uh. No. Because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's what scripture tells us. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless <laughs> obedient life and then died a selfless obedient death you and me and the worst kind of death at that crucifixion because of that obedience God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever so that all created beings in heaven and on earth even those long ago dead and buried will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. One day, every knee shall bow. Everybody will to Jesus. So, look at these first three verses again, especially verse three. Stop fighting. Verse 3 again says, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Now again, in your study Bible, it reads something like this. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than itself. Now, you think about the person that you're thinking about that you need to be restored to. It's so hard. They were a jerk. They hurt me. There's something in all of our hearts that is inclined to fight. You know, I I mean, my heart does not naturally gravitate toward peace. I want to punch somebody. You know, I'm fine until I ain't fine. You know, everything's good until it ain't good. You know, I, I honestly, I, I, I had, a, I need to write a book. The crazy stuff I've heard in my counseling office. This is so fun. You know, this wife comes in and, and she's talking that she heard a sermon about being submissive in, uh, to her husband. And she said this. She said, you know, uh, me and Bubba, we, we don't have any problems. I don't have any problems submitting. I mean, the only time I have a problem is when we disagree. <laughs> wow, wow, love must be quite the catch, <laughs> you know? Aren't you a godly woman? Wow. Um, you know what's interesting about this passage that the um, the praise that is translated in your study Bible, um, selfish or empty conceit, is actually one Greek word, and that and that Greek word actually means to be glory empty, to just be empty. And when somebody is narcissistic, selfish, they're empty, um, it's, it is like that they're looking for a sense of value, and that's why it's so hard to reason with somebody who's full of empty conceit. I mean, the Greek word denotes the idea, and this may be in some of your other study Bibles, Selfish interest, um, rivalry or competitiveness, vanity, strife, conceit, arrogance, vain glory is one phrase. It's like, you know, in our deer camp, uh, camp language, we call that a bull. You know, a bull, he just wants his way. Um But the, but the sadness is to be glory empty means to be starved for validation and approval. You know why you can't bring peace because you are starved for validation and approval. Research shows that a rebellious teenager uh, is oftentimes most often just simply uh, validation, Deprived, They are experiencing validation deprivation. They just don't feel valued or respected. Now, again, you don't agree with a crazy teenager uh, uh, with car keys at 16. You know, he needs some boundaries. But if every time he speaks up, you say, no, no. Dude, you're going to hear squeal tires until you take the car away at, uh, in the driveway looking for validation and approval in all the right places. It means to not be assured of your significance and value, to be starving for respect and honor, to feel like I don't matter or I don't count. Again, you think about how you have been wrong. And again, you know, I would never listen to your story or I would work hard not to listen to your story and somehow minimize your hurt. Yeah, I get it. You've been hurt. But when you are so empty that that which has been done to you says to you, you don't matter, you don't count, then we will be like a rebellious two-year-old yelling for candy at the dollar store. I walked out of the dollar store the other day, had to go in there, didn't want to go in there. Going to the dollar store in Fairhope is not too bad, it's better than going into Walmart. And, dude, it was so funny. This little 2-year-old, you know, you know how to have candy right there at the counter? And, and, you know, the 2-year-old saw the candy. 2-year-old wanted the candy, just like any 2-year-old. Dude, that 2-year-old man, she hammered down, and Mama said, no, the candy. And, I mean, she let Mama have it. And it was hilarious. And Mama starts yelling at the 2-year-old. I mean, I'm thinking about it, like, "Hmm." think about it. Mama yelling at a 2-year-old. Two-year-old yelling at a mama. That was crazy. When they got in the car, and I was glad I wasn't going home with them. <laughs> Dude, we're like that. All human beings are glory-starved. We're glory-hungry. we hunger for respect and value. You know what hell is going to be like? Being utterly and eternally ignored. That's what it is. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody notices. Nobody cares. We're relational beings. Tim Keller says this. I love this. Quote, Only if you get love, approval, and esteem from someone you esteem will you ever have self-esteem. Let me read that again. A little slower. Only if you get love, approval, and esteem from someone you esteem will you ever have self-esteem. Guys, you cannot self-create self-esteem. Part of the reason that we can't bring peace to these situations that we've been wronged in is because we're so empty. We are made for God, and only He can fill our hearts with the need to be loved approved and valued. I'm a child of God. I belong to the King. My heart is full. I can admit that I'm wrong. Sometimes. I'm working at it. But when I'm empty and and I need to be full, no chance. In verse 4, now look at verse 4. Here's how we make peace. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Again, the latter part of three in in verse four calls us to humility. What is a heart that makes peace, according to verse four? It's one of humility. Humility means gentle and modest. Humility is counter to glory star. Humility means there's some kind of inner fullness in me. It takes a full heart, a courageous heart to be humble. One that is empty... Demands more. It's like walking through a buffet line or, or going shopping on an empty stomach. You know, you know. they say never go to the grocery store on an empty stomach. You know why? Because you come home with three times more than, than you needed. You know, you're starved to death and you go through the uh, buffet line. Dude, you got three plates on that tray. You got food dropping off the side. There's no control because you're so empty. You guys, when we can't make peace, we can't restore a relationship, it's because we've got a problem with our own sense of deprivation. We've got a hole in our uh, bucket, and no matter what the other person does, it won't fill it up. C.S. Lewis says, says this. Humility is not thinking of yourself less, but thinking less of yourself. Humble. I don't have to be right, but I want to be restored. And it doesn't mean that if if you restore the relationship or or you on your part that the other person is even trustable. We are not called to reconcile with everybody, but we are called to forgive it. Forgiveness is a onesie. Reconciliation is a twosie. That's third grade language for forgiveness is what I need to do to make peace. I need to forgive. Reconciliation is not going to happen unless both parties do their part. I want to share uh, another song with you. That anchors this in this. This song um, is out of this idea of making peace. <clears throat> Let there be peace on earth was a hymn that was actually written by uh, Jill Jackson um, in 1955, and this is what she said on National Public Radio um, in an interview several years before she wrote the hymn. She says this, when I attempted suicide in 1944 and I didn't succeed, I knew for the first time unconditional love, which God is. You are totally loved, totally accepted, just the way you are. In that moment, I was not allowed to die. And something happened to me, which is very difficult to explain. An eternal moment of truth in which I knew I was loved. And I knew I was here for a purpose. Nine years later, after she's married to um, Cy Miller, she wrote the song, Let There Be Peace on Earth. And it was first sung at a youth retreat in California. And lots of people have recorded this. Let there um, be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be with God, our creator, family, family, all are we. Let us walk with each other in perfect harmony. I'm going to show you a father son, I mean, a, a father daughter singing this song. Tears are welcomed in this song. They feel the voice of God. Sounds good. Sounds like a little Christmas package, all wrapped up. Here we'll bring peace. Here's the how. Verses five through eleven. Yeah. <laughs> Reading it again. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but he didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantage of that status, no matter what the status that you and I are right. I was wrong. No, I'm not denying that that may be very, very true.
0: But again, how do you live in peace? You do what Jesus
1: did. He didn't demand that you be right. Not at all. When the time came, how about Christmas 2021 would be the time that you finally bury the hatchet? And again, what the other person does Totally on them. What I'm suggesting is you write a letter, write a card for yourself. Maybe you give it to them, maybe you don't, but you certainly write it and just declare war is over. I declare peace in my own heart. Forgiveness is such a dynamic experience of freedom. Freedom! I'm no longer bound! By that crazy person. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. Well, that's good for Jesus, but I ain't doing that. I ain't no slave. He was just a humble guy. Just a humble guy. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process, yeah. It are, it are, it are a humbling process to give up the demand for vengeance or justice. When you Peace on earth. Is it just a Christmas hymn? Or can it be a reality? I believe it can be a reality. Because of what Jesus did, We will never be alone, ignored, or forsaken. My heart is full. I don't have to go through the buffet line, starving to death, grabbing everything. My heart is full so I can give that which does not deserve to be given. It's called grace. They didn't earn it. You know, I guarantee... If you'll give grace where justice is demanded, you'll be free and you'll experience peace. Merry Christmas. Father, thank you so much for the incarnation. Thank you for coming and showing us how this is done, not just kind of sending us a roadmap and then telling us to figure it out modeled it, you guided us, Lord. Thank you that you've forgiven us, forgiven me. Thank you my brothers this morning. May we truly uh, bring peace into every relationship, um, our families um, at this time. Thank you, in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Have a great week.